Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and we're going to talk about the healing power of God today and the power of forgiveness that walks along with it. Not only does God want to heal you, but he wants to forgive you the sins that might surround it or might even have caused it. Sound interesting? Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. I have a book that I didn't bring out too long ago. It's one of my later books. It's called The Grace of Healing. And in that book, The Grace of Healing, so much of what I have studied on the subject of healing was taught from the side of faith. And thank God for God for our faith and thank God for how it works. Jesus told the woman with the issue of blood, he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. But I want you to understand something. Really, all the praise goes back to the God of grace who gives uh, our healing at the same one who gives us our salvation. I know that my salvation is received by faith, but basically God did all the work. So apparently faith is the easy part. Grace was the difficult part. And God did the difficult part and leaves the easy part to us. I simply compare it this way. Grace is God's full hand reaching out to us, filled with everything that pertains to life. That's our natural life and godliness, that's our spiritual life. So everything you need for natural and spiritual is all in the hand of God. And we reach out by faith and faith is an empty hand. Faith is our empty hand reaching out to receive what God has given in grace. And of course, that's healing. We're gonna talk about today. I'm gonna take one of my chapters that's in that book and emphasize it today, that God will heal you even of things that are your fault. Because this, we had a man come to our church one time, and of course this man flowed in the gifts of spirit and especially heavily into the word of knowledge. And he would call out people from the congregation and just nail them, I mean, he nailed them. And then at the end he would have a prayer line, people coming up for the prayer line, but this is what he would usually do. People in the prayer line, he would tell them if they were overweight and they'd come up especially with back problems. I said, I'm not gonna pray for you because your back problem is your fault. If you didn't have this big stomach hanging out here in front, it puts all that pressure on your backbone. And so it makes you get, and it hurts. He said, I can pray for you. But as long as you stay that way, he said, it, it, won't, it won't work. And so he said, you, lo you lose weight and come back and, and then come to my prayer line. Then he said something, he said, you know, if you lose weight, then probably that back pain will be gone. You won't have to come back to me for healing. And he'd go to the next person. That really kind of irritated me. Not that I, not, it wasn't because I just felt sorry for the person coming up there that wanted the prayer, but my whole thing was, how does God's grace figure into all of this? I know God doesn't want us to be extremely overweight. Here I am overweight. So I guess I can make some, you know, some uh, comments here about how much is overweight and what type of overweight is it? But I simply come back to this. Will God save you of things that are your fault, of sins that are your fault? Listen to me. Every sin is your fault. Every one of them was a choice. And no matter what, you can say, well, I just kind of fell into this. No, you didn't. You still could have said no. It comes back to this. Every sin is your fault. Does he forgive all of your iniquities? Yes. Even the ones that are your fault? Yes, which all of them are. But then won't he heal all of your diseases? If he heals all of your diseases, then it has to be some that are your fault. Yes, I understand disease can come on you from all different, from all different areas, but the source of all of sickness and disease is the source of sin also, and that is from Satan himself and from the world system, which comes from Satan, and from the flesh, which also comes from Satan through the fall of Adam here in this earth. So let's come back to this. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 29. 
while you're finding that, understand that this book that I have written is the offer today. And the reason why I emphasize that, it's a great book. Even after I wrote it, I mean, you know, I went back and looked at it and I was blessed as I read it. It's almost like I was reading it for the first time. I just saw things like I'd never seen before. And God anointed me while I was writing that book. So I'm not just saying this because I think I'm such a hotshot author. I'm saying it that the Holy Spirit wrote that through me from something I saw. And that was grace ought to be emphasized more in healing than our faith. Because again, faith just takes what God has supplied. And so Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 29 says this, this I have found. God has made man upright, but he has sought out many schemes. One translation says inventions, and this simply means we can't make it any better. We're always trying to add something to it to make it better because grace just sounds so good, we have to offer something along with it. So we cannot add to the grace of God and make his plan any better. So it is with salvation and so it is with healing. Let's take a look at salvation for just a moment. What does the Bible say for salvation? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, period. Nothing else. Faith and faith only gets us saved. But see, we don't. We think that's just, oh, it's just too good. We gotta add something to it. A little bit of work should help. Plus, you need to be water baptized. No, you should be water baptized, but that doesn't make you saved. You should join our church. No, you should join a church after you're saved so you can begin to grow in the things of God, but joining a church doesn't make you saved. Well, you need to tithe. I believe every Christian should tithe to your local church, but you do it out of love, not out of obligation, nor do you do it trying to buy your salvation. You cannot believe on the Lord Jesus Christ plus give money. That would mean totally broke people could never get saved. I love the story of the thief on the cross. It simply came back to this. He couldn't do anything. His hands were nailed, his feet were nailed, and he couldn't go join a church, walk down an aisle. He couldn't give money. He couldn't get off that cross. And even so, his body was nailed, but his will was not and he said to the Lord, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. What if he said, listen, that's great, but listen, go get water baptized. He couldn't have done it, which means you cannot add works to it any way at all. But again, what I was telling you is this, the minister that came to our church simply said to them, this is your fault, go out and get it right, then we'll pray for you. And so again, it comes back to it that the same God who by grace offers salvation, by grace also offers healing. God forgives and God heals based on his nature, not ours. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 15 says, this great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Notice that, who did he heal? All. When it says great multitudes, I read a commentary one day about the difference between the word multitudes and great multitudes. They said when multitudes followed Jesus, it could have been up to 10 to 15,000 people, but great multitudes could have been up to 100,000 people following him at one time. And notice this, it didn't say multitudes got healed, great multitudes got healed. Great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Don't you think out of all of those, some of them might've been overweight? Don't you know they could have actually been addicts, alcoholics, smokers? Oh, they didn't have cigarettes back there. No, but they did have tobacco back there. So there had to be smokers back there. And these people coming up could have had all types of things wrong with them and Jesus didn't question them at all. He healed them. Psalm 103 verses two and three, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits 
who forgives all of your iniquities and who heals all of your diseases. The same thing applies for the removal of iniquities as it does diseases. And the same thing can be said for both. He will forgive you of iniquities that are totally your fault. Then he will heal you of diseases that are totally your fault. Why? Because it's the grace of God. So we simply come back to this. How can you prepare yourself for healing? You can't. Come just as you are with the sickness you have and the reasons for why you're sick and all that. We sing it when it comes to salvation, just as I am without one plea. Your blood was shed for me. Well, I can say this. I can come just as I am for healing because his body was broken just for me so that I might be healed by his stripes. I was healed heal. But you know what? Just as I can be forgiven for sins that are my fault, I can be healed for diseases that are my fault. This is a good time to stop and run around this little table right here. Hallelujah for the grace of God. Hallelujah for the mercy of God. You know, there was a man one time that was sitting there, blind Bartimaeus, and he started crying out for Jesus and the disciples. Whenever said, shh, don't bother him, don't bother him. But you know what he was crying out? He said, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. You know what caught Jesus' attention? The word mercy. Somebody was crying out for mercy. He didn't say, Lord, I'm qualified. Lord, I'm a good guy. You can heal me because I am. That was Nicodemus coming for salvation. Look at all the good things I have done. That was the rich young ruler. Look at all the things I have done. What Jesus yearns for, desires for, is for us to cry out for mercy because mercy means I can't do it. Only you can do it. And he went over to him and he healed him and blind Bartimaeus began to see. Forgiveness and healing are united together. When Jesus forgives sins, it's because he went to the cross to do it, but also when he heals us, it's because he went to the cross to do it. Turn with me to Matthew chapter nine. We're gonna take a look at this story. This might take us right through the break here, halftime. But Matthew chapter nine, I wanna take a look at verses two through seven. This is when they brought a paralyzed man to Jesus and they let him down through the roof of the building because Jesus was in a place where they came and the Pharisees were there. And so in Matthew chapter nine, verses two through seven said, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your heart? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say, arise and walk. But that you may know the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed into his house. I want you to notice something. Jesus said, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or arise, take up your bed and walk. We're gonna find out that the two were tied together in this one. This man was responsible for his own problem. We're gonna find this out from the passage. And I think it's interesting to also point out here that Jesus said in this verse, verse six, that you may know the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said, take up your bed and go to your house. Jesus said, outward healing is the proof I can forgive sins in here. Healing is outward redemption. Healing is outward physical redemption. Healing is the physical proof 
on the outside that Jesus can forgive sins because man can't do either one. Man can't heal and man can't forgive sin. You say doctors can heal. No, no good doctor will admit he heals. He just admits, I am here to assist nature. I found out how healing works and I work with it and I help promote it, but I can't heal anyone. And I can honestly tell you this, you say, well, my pastor saved me. No, I can lead you to Jesus, but I can just assist you in finding it. I can't remove sins at all, but I can take it to the one that can do both. The one that can forgive your sins and heal you of diseases. It's more difficult for those men to say, arise, take up your bed and walk, because they might say, well, your sins are forgiven you if they give enough money. But it's no more difficult for Jesus to heal disease than to forgive sins. Both are impossible with men, but both are possible with God. And this man was forgiven, and then this man was healed. We'll take this up right after the break when we come back. And so I just simply want to say to you as the break is coming up, thank you to all those who support me. Thank you for all of those who stand with me. Thank you for those who that I call and you call a partner. We're partners together. We partnered in the heart, first of all, because you love this message and you like the way I teach. But next of all, you join me in giving into this ministry so that this ministry can expand. If you want to become a partner with me, go to my website, bobyandian.com and join me together. There's a place there where you can become a partner with me. Thank you. I'll see you right after the break. How much faith do I need to be healed? Bob Yandian answers this question and reveals the missing ingredient to the healing you've been praying for, grace. Throughout church history, the doctrines of grace and faith have been taken to separate extremes as they relate to healing. The result is that many believers struggle to receive healing from God. Those on the side of grace deny the need for faith, believing that God only heals a select few. For those who only see a need for faith, the pursuit of healing becomes a legalistic struggle to change God's mind. Pastor Bob takes a different approach with practical biblical teaching that balances both elements of grace and faith. You'll find the healing you've been waiting for when you find the missing ingredient of grace. To order The Grace of Healing, visit bobbyendian.com. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and it's my favorite class. I think the students' favorite class is there. And I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. When I used to pastor at the church, I would even tell, I say, housewives, you that are listening out there today in the congregation, this is designed for you too. The Word of God is not difficult. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
This man in chapter nine of Matthew that uh, was healed and the paralytic that rose up, we're gonna find out from this passage that really it was his own fault that he was a paralytic and Jesus pointed this out to him. And when this man came to him and uh, asked for, for healing and Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven you, it's an interesting thing. When he said that first before he healed him, it's because this, it's uh, when I quoted that one time and was teaching on it, I said, Jesus said to him and what he was doing was actually Jesus was comparing the fact that his sins could be forgiven and he could be healed. But a man came to me one time and said, what if that's not what it's saying? He says, why did he even mention your sins are forgiven you? And then he said, be healed. He said, what if this man really couldn't forgive himself? And I said, and that's why Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven you. And I said, well, it honestly would have to be in the, in the perfect tense in the Greek, meaning that you've been forgiven since the time you asked. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I'll go look it up. And I thought, surely not. But you know what? The moment I looked it up, that's what it was. When Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven you, he simply in the perfect tense, the perfect tense combines the past and the present together. It's unique. The French have it today in their language, but it's very difficult to find it. It's a tense where the past and the present are combined, meaning what you did in the past is still happening today. It's found in Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. That word saved is in the perfect tense. And what it means is, for by grace were you saved in the past with results that keep right on coming to the present. You don't have to ask over and over and over again to be saved. You ask one time and you are in a perpetual state of being saved. What he said to this man was, son, your sins have been forgiven from the time you asked. You asked some time back. He didn't bring out when he did. He said, son, your sins have been forgiven since then. And it must've been like, it went all through this guy. I mean, his he, his mind must have gone like it was suddenly washed. It went, oh my goodness, I've been begging for forgiveness. It was done from the first time I asked. This man had done something he couldn't forgive himself. And the moment Jesus said, son, your sins have been forgiven from the time you asked, oh my goodness. And suddenly he realized it and he got healed, jumped off that mat and started walking. He was responsible for his own sickness, his own paralysis. And Jesus pointed that out. Now, here was the thing where exactly this man was responsible for his sickness, yet Jesus said, stand up, start walking off. But I think it's interesting also that what he told this man was what he told others later was go and sin no more. And we're not told in this passage, but he told him not to sin again. And so what he was saying was here in this verse of scripture, this is what caused it. And it can return if you get back into sin. Now, here's the point. We'll get into it. Not all sickness is a result of personal sins, but all sickness is a result of the original sin that was put in this earth, the sin that Adam committed was what caused sickness to come into this earth as well as sin to come into this earth. Adam and Eve never knew any sin in the garden before they sinned and they never knew one day of sickness. They didn't even know what a fever was. They didn't know what a cold or a flu was. You didn't mention that word. They said, what is that? Because they never had it. But after they sinned, it opened up the door for sickness and disease of which Jesus went to the cross to undo what Adam had done. And the thing on the cross was he came to forgive us of our iniquities and to heal us of all of our diseases. So does God heal us to continue abusing our body? No. I mean, if you're smoking like crazy and you get healed of whatever that smoking has done, I don't recommend you keep on smoking. Why would you go back to that? It's like, you know, somebody said one time, well, smoking's not found in the Bible. And, you know, apparently there's nothing about that. Well, yeah, but neither is hitting yourself in the forehead with a hammer. And if you keep doing it day by day, yes, that's not found in the Bible, but eventually it could kill you. Well, what am I saying? Why would you go back to something that's been proven? 
that it will kill you. And there's people dying. And many Christians I even know have died because they smoked years ago and the thing never left their body. So the point comes back to this. Does God heal us so we can continue to abuse our body? The answer is no. Why would I recommend to an alcoholic, God's going to set you free, but go ahead and keep drinking crazy and get drunk all the time? No, I wouldn't say that. Does God forgive us so we can continue to sin? The answer is no. Does grace come so that sin can keep on going? No. Do we continue to go into sin even though grace is around us? No. The Bible says we don't do that. God wants us to be saved from sins, and he also wants us to be saved from sinning. Now, after we get born again, do we sin? The answer is yes, but we come immediately to the Lord, ask him to forgive us, and we stand clean in his presence. But what God wants is for that sinning to continue to get less and less and less. The same thing with abusing ourselves in this world system. There's certain things you can do to totally abuse yourself, and will God forgive you? Will God heal you? The answer is yes, but there's always that commendation at the end, go and sin no more. How about the adulterous woman? In chapter Eight of the book of John. Let's take a look beginning in verse seven. And this is where the, uh, the Pharisees said, we found her sinning. We found her committing adultery. We caught her in the very act. What were they doing? Sitting outside the window watching? I mean, these perverts were out there looking at this thing. And then they brought her to Jesus and said, what are you going to do? Because here's what the law says. They wanted to see if he would do what Moses said. And he shocked them by forgiving her. Oh my goodness. He showed that adultery was a sin, but it can be forgiven. In verse seven, it says this. So when they continued asking him, he raised up and said to them, who is without sin among you? Let him throw the first stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And those who heard it being convicted in their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even until the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go, but sin no more. Now, I'm gonna ask you a question. Did this woman sin again? Oh, I'm sure she did. I trust it wasn't the same one, which was adultery. But I trust what he meant to her too was, listen, sins can open up the door where sickness can come in. He says, but what I admonish you is go and sin no more. And we're all going to sin. Every Christian's going to sin. The point of it is, you know, when I tell people this, they say, well, I still sin. Well, ask yourself a question. Are you better today than you were 10 years ago? How about five years ago? I trust the answer is yes, that you continue to grow in the things of God. And so through your lifetime, you sin less and less. I don't believe you'll ever come to a point in your Christian life where you never sin again, but that should be your goal because we're told in the word of God, these things we write unto you that you sin not. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. This woman was responsible for and caught in her own sin. The Old Testament taught adultery and fornication were even capital crimes. But Jesus taught adultery and fornication were still sins, no less sins than they used to be, but they are forgivable but continued sins are still hated by God. Because why? Not only does God abhor sin, but it opens you up for more problems in your life. You're still born again, 
But what you're doing is walking around with results of personal sin in your life. Jesus did not condemn her, but he did warn her of more sin. Let's talk about another paralytic from the word of God. And this one's found in the book of John. And here we have it in John chapter five, verses six through 14. Take a look with me at verse six. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, said to him, do you want to be made well? In other words, you know, here you are laying here, and yes, you get money for this. People come by and give you money. And he said, but tell me the truth. Do you really want to be made well? And the sick man asked him, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming and other steps down before me, what the answer was, yes, I want to. But, you know, every time I try to get ahead of everybody, the first person in the water gets healed and no one else gets healed. And I've tried, but because I'm paralyzed, it makes it tough for me. But Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. I realize what you've said is a roundabout answer, but the answer is absolutely, I wanna be healed of this. This is why I come here every day. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Verse nine, and immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. Isn't that stupid? This man was just healed and they complaining that Jesus did it on the Sabbath day. Verse 11, he answered, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said this to you? Take up your bed and walk. But the man who was healed did not know who he was for Jesus had withdrawn. A multitude being in that place, Jesus just disappeared into the crowd. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come on you. You know what he's simply saying here? Listen, sin might've been the reason why this entered into you, but what I'm telling you is from this point on, don't sin. Now, did this man sin? Of course he probably did, but I trust it wasn't the type that got in this sick, but what he was simply saying here again, sin can open up a door where a worse thing can come on you. I think it was Kenneth Hagin that said this one time, more healed people have become sick later on because of an after attack that Satan comes afterwards. And if he comes back, if he finds the house empty, swept, and garnished, he can come back in. But if he finds the house full, he cannot get in. What should we be full of? We should be full of God's word. We should be taking it. We should be walking in righteousness to where that righteousness on the inside of us is now being lived on the outside where people can see it. This is the walk of righteousness. So this man's paralysis was caused by sin and self-inflicted. And verse 14 says, he said, see, you've been made well, sin no more, lest the worst thing come on you. Again, Jesus did not condemn him, but didn't fail to warn him of the consequences of continued sin. God's mercy heals like it forgives sins, not by works. Disease comes from Satan and sinlessness is a determining factor against more sickness. Jesus healed all and forgave all who came to him, but sin is an open door for more and more sickness to enter into you. Forgiveness is the open door for healing. James chapter five and verse 18. Confess your faults or your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So it simply comes back to this. If Jesus does not condemn you, why do you condemn yourself? You may be responsible for making yourself sick, but let Jesus be responsible for making you well. Works were not a part for those who came to him. 
Those who had willingly sinned were forgiven. Liars, thieves, fornicators, homosexuals, sexually transmitted diseases, all these things were healed. But those whose sicknesses were self-inflicted were also healed. No exercise, overweight, smokers, alcoholics, and drug abusers. Did that woman sin again? Probably. Did the man sin again? Probably. We know why. Because again, after we're born again, we still have the nature of the flesh, but Jesus is there to forgive us of those sins. So I simply ask you this, have you been healed? Have you sinned since? Have you been forgiven? Have you sinned since? Well, thank God for 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure and get a copy of that book. And listen to me, I'm standing in faith for all of you that are sick. God is healing you even right now. But why don't you make that choice to him? Father, I'm gonna receive my healing. I'm gonna walk away from here in more righteousness than I've ever lived in before. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.